0: Hello and welcome to Harold Hey. It's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha, and uh, today we're uh, talking about the episode Steely Phil, which was written by Steve Vixton and directed by Stark Howell and Larry Like Lighter. Um, yeah, welcome to Harold Hey. This is a uh, well, okay. Before we talk about the episode, I do want to tell a Harold story. Can I? Yes, please indulge us. Uh, okay, so a couple weeks ago, I was at a party and I was wearing a pin um, on my lapel uh it was it was of helga Mm -hmm. um and she was frowning and she was like kind of like turned around but her head was like like facing you the look the onlooker um a lot of movement in the pen a lot of movement in the pen uh and a friend of mine walked up and she was holding another friend's like two-year-old daughter and she looks at me and she looks at the pen and she says, why is that girl so grumpy? Oh. And I was like, okay, first, this two-year-old is the most emotionally connected two-year-old I've ever met. Like, she saw a tiny little pin and could see that whoever that character is, she's grumpy. And I didn't have an answer right away. I had to, like, hem and haw with a two-year-old. Like, ooh, well, um... You uh. we should have told her to listen to the podcast. Because then we do a pretty yeah, good dis- that's true. discussion I, of her. I that's I told her, I said her heart hurts. Oh. People have hurt her heart. Dang. And the girl, went, she knows too much. She does. Yeah. Um, and then I tried to like deflect and say, what's, who's your favorite cartoon character. And she looked back at me and said, so that girl's always grumpy. And I'm like, yeah, she's always grumpy. She'd be a hard little kid to interview. Isn't that amazing? No. Oh, she needs to be on this podcast. It's amazing. She, a two year old asked why Helga's grumpy. Like she also didn't answer your question, which is the problem. That's true. Yeah, it took a while. She kept like, she was like, then she hemmed in hot. She's like, um, um, I, um, mm. I mean, it was adorable. That's all I wanted. I wanted her to just say, um, forever. It was amazing. Mm. Uh, okay. I've been wanting to say that for like a week and we just, <laughs> I finally, I don't have to ever think about it again. Uh, so the, rap-
1: the rest of the episode is a, uh, interview with the two year old. That's right. Yep.
0: No, just kidding. Oh, I mean, we're like, I mean, we talk about Trump. Who's like a two year old. <sighs> yeah, Sadly. Uh, yeah, this episode's all about Chinese checkers uh, It's about Bobby Fischer um, The chess champion uh, it, It's about the Chinese checkers knockoff of Bobby Fischer uh, We got a great flashback from Grandpa Honestly, this episode, I mean, we do great uh, it's, It is a little limiting uh, for conversation But we talked about some interesting stuff We did the best we could with what we were given Exactly Thanks, Craig
1: he will never come on this show. <laughs> the sheer disappointment on your <laughs> face. Uh. It's,
0: it's like, I want to just re-record this, <laughs> but it's, like, not worth it. Uh, we. Like, only thousands I, of
1: people around the world are going to hear this. I want you to Craig.
0: say, using your mouth. Yeah. Harold's
1: great, and Craig did oh, a great he thing. he knows that we love Harold. We're doing this fucking podcast. 40 episodes plus or whatever, right now. Hell yeah, baby. See? In yeah. The, you're, the way that I feel is in the actions. I could say whatever I want because inherently what we're doing means I love the show. And in a roundabout so way, what I you're love saying, Craig too.
0: So, what you're saying is words don't have meaning. They don't. Actions. I mean, yeah, fake news, dude. Yeah, see? It's true. Uh, okay, well, in, enjoy the episode. Um, and we'll, yeah. All right, bye. Bye. Steely Phil uh, finds Grandpa and Arnold flying kites in the park. And uh, as they're walking by a hedged area, Grandpa freaks out. And Arnold's like, no, this is the fastest way back. And so they walk through uh, this hedged area. And Arnold finds out that uh, Grandpa was once a champion Chinese checkers player named Steely, nicknamed Steely Phil. Uh, and that there's a Chinese checkers competition just around the corner. And um, as Arnold is learning this, uh, grandpa is getting humiliated by his arch nemesis uh, known as Robbie Fisher, uh, which if you didn't know is a uh, play on the famous chess player, uh, Bobby Fisher uh, from the cold war era. Um, And so, as Arnold is kind of pressing grandpa about this, grandpa decides to tell him a nice flashback, uh, of his life as a Chinese checkers player. So you get some of the old timey grandpa, um, storytelling with the fun music and young childhood, uh, impoverished grandpa, uh, basically becoming a Chinese checkers hustler and betting, betting and winning money and making it all the way to the Chinese checkers championship of the city where he reveals to Arnold that he loses to uh, Robbie Fisher um, with a move that he thought was um, uh, only had one option. But looking back, he found out, no, I could have I could have done one other move that would have led to a, a tie, a tie game. And so grandpa is kind of uh, wallowing in pity um, but arnold pushes him to uh sign up for uh the the next chinese checker con chinese checkers contest um so it cuts to uh one of Harold's hey uh classic tropes a rocky training montage of grandpa training with chinese checkers and uh the episode basically the last third The third act of the episode, which makes it sound way fancier than it is, but uh, the third act uh, is basically just Grandpa and Robbie Fisher going through the Chinese checker championship until they reach the end uh, against each other, where they find themselves in the same arch nemesis position with the same move, uh, and Grandpa uh, basically realizes that if he just moves backwards, it's a tie stalemate and he takes it. And when, uh, Bobby Fischer asks, how did you do it? Um, did I say Bobby Fischer? or Rob- Robbie Fisher is the character's name? Sorry. It's very close to the other name. Grandpa says, uh, that because he is older, he's older, wiser, and has his grandson behind him. So, uh, it's a tie shared championship. Um, and that's the end of the episode and that's it. It's not that deep. It is funny because grandpa is funny and it is a great time for him to just monologue a lot and have great one-liners.
1: Yeah, I think grandpa is in full force in this episode. He mm-hmm. has probably the most one-liners that I've experienced so far on the show. Yeah. And I could tell very early on in this episode that it was going to be a very simple episode. Yeah. As soon as, like, there is... when Whenever they go through that much nostalgia with the character, mm. it's typically a fairly simple narrative. And it's usually just kind of, like, a pretty good episode. It's not the one it's that, like, really stick with you.
0: It's It's good dialogue writing, but not necessarily good, like...
1: It's the, the the character development. It's like weird because it's it almost seems like they're very explicitly trying to give the characters a backstory, uh-huh. but in so in doing so, it's like just very sort of surface level.
0: Well, it seems like the episode is presenting very early on. This is what the episode's going to be about. Yes, and it's not. It doesn't ever really deviate. No, and there's no. Um, deeper meaning. I mean, there is, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but there's not like the writers present. Okay. Uh, Grandpa's going to get his, his Chinese checkers mojo back. And that the episode is just about like, like the climax of the episode is him receiving that same uh, opportunity. Uh, the, the same move is when he was younger. Like it's just repeated at the end, and that like the whole episode is building towards that. There's no, um, yeah, like you said, deviating. There's no deviating from that path. Yeah, the path has been laid out ahead totally. of him. Like very early on, like oh, I that one move, like I don't know with with TV and movie writing when it gets that, it's like that laid out. You know exactly how it's going to end.
1: Yeah, and especially in the format, it's a very sh- they're a very short episodes, so that doesn't leave room for it. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Do you think we should just dive right in, or is there? Well, there's, uh, it, so yes, there's one quick moment, and that's him um, at the very end, understanding how far he's come, how he's grown up, and and he's kind of deciding, or he's he's letting Robbie Fisher know this is how I was able to not lose. <laughs> so let's let's listen to the clip. Well, isn't that just Perfect. You've fallen into the same trap I caught you in 40 years ago. The same exact play. No, it's not. It's completely different. It's our oh, it's the same, isn't it? <laughs> you
1: realize, of course, Steely Phil, that you can't possibly beat me now. There's only one move on the board you can make. Come, come, Steely Phil, make your losing move so I can once again take the trophy and you can wallow in your characteristic humiliation.
0: Well, you're right about one thing, Fisher. I can't beat you, but there is one other move I can make. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a stalemate, Fisher. Well, that's. that's impossible. Well, how did you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that move last time, but now I'm 40 years older and 40 years smarter. Plus, I got my grandson behind me. So, I guess we're both champion now. <laughs> well, I've, I've never shared a trophy with anyone. Well, this is an outrage. The final match is officially a tie. The new no, champions are no, no, Bobby Fischer and the Steely Phil. I think Grandpa realizes that when you're younger, um, there's a different kind of drive. Um, in the flashback, grandpa is like so bummed out that he can't win the championship that he just gives up um, and, and like kind of moves his moves, his piece into defeat. Um, But when he's older, he's able to see that. I mean, the cheesy phrase is like, Oh, winning isn't everything, but that's not exactly. It's like a little more complex than that. It's like losing. Like you don't have to, you don't have to lose to not win, if that makes sense. Like, not not winning doesn't necessarily lead to losing. And I think that, like, when you're older, maybe, I don't know, like, we're still pretty young. But I think when you're older, you're a little more um, relaxed with that competitive drive. Like, bah, you know what? Like, sharing a trophy is almost as good. Let's just do that. Because, I mean, young grandpa couldn't imagine not winning so he had no kind of he had no way of seeing that there was another move all along basically totally
1: it's almost like when you let the competitive component like overwhelm you you don't actually you're not actually able to perform and do like use the appropriate strategies Mm -hmm. um or i guess see what is like actually laid out in front of you right kind of clouds your judgment a little bit because you want it so bad yeah um, yeah, I think that's just the basic underlying.:
0: Yeah, it's not, thing. and it's not, like, I think there are a lot of little things we could talk about here. There's not really one that like the thesis I think that is what the episode's about, but I don't think it goes much deeper than that, to be honest.
1: I think that's true, but there is something about his nemesis. What is is it, Robbie Fisher? Yeah, Robbie Fisher. Robbie Fisher, where it's almost like he becomes so full of himself. Right. And that he kind of becomes complacent. Hmm. And it's almost like he's reached this certain level of Chinese checkers playing Hmm. where he is very good and he's better than everybody else, but he's like just kind of plateaued at that spot. Sure. So he made like he was able to be the same way he was 40 years ago and still continue to be the best. Whereas because he never had that moment where he like fell dropped down. True. He true. didn't actually yeah. have like a le- a learning moment. Yeah. Whereas yeah, grandpa yeah. did. So he kind of, although he gave up the game, so it seems like he kind of was a quitter when he t- decided to go back to it. Um, his sort of like more ups and downs of his Chinese checkers career actually made him, he, it was allowed to progress. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't have that plateauing effect that, uh, Robbie Fisher had.
0: Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, there are a lot of references to, uh, like chess masters. So one is that, that Robbie Fisher is a knockoff of, of Bobby Fisher. Um, who is their brothers actually. Uh, no, Bobby Fisher is one of the best chess players of all time. There's a lot of, he would play Russians back in a, during the cold war in like that, the seventies and eighties. Oh, two um, days ago. Oh, cold war joke. Yeah, it's good. The new cold war. Um, there's also the moment where, uh, like, the stalemate, um, there was a, I don't remember the guy's name, but there was another chess player who played a computer, and he got so frustrated that the computer was beating him that instead of just getting into a never-ending stalemate, he, he quit. He was like, I'm done with this game, and he left.
1: Um, he never used a computer again for the rest of his life.
0: Or a chess player, I don't know. Yeah. Um, or a chessboard is what I meant to say. Uh, okay, so the other thing about Robbie Fisher, though, the character in this episode, is he is like bizarrely the most foppish character that they've presented in this show. Do you know the term fop? No, (laughs) it's pretty funny. It's well, basically it's like old timey and like fancy for the sake of snobbery. So that's what I assumed it was. Yeah. So it's like, yes, I'm going to use this cane. And it's like talking like you're an old time radio host and like emphasizing like, this is my fancy uh, fancy leather bun that I wear only for Chinese checkers occasions. And that's the way that...
1: It's like a way you learn to be. It's not the way people actually are. Right, right. It's like a status thing.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's old time snobbery. ego trip, yeah. It, with ego, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, um,
1: it's like a bougie ego thing.
0: And it's interesting, like, there, there are a lot of... I, I think the one critical theory thing we could talk about with this episode is... That villains are often presented as foppish Mm -hmm. um so you think of like scar from scar jafar are two Mm -hmm. examples scar from the lion king uh, jafar from uh aladdin um and there's a lot of critical theory about how fop is uh another version of uh like another version of stereotypical gay uh Gay characters, yeah, they're always sort of um, effeminate. In a they're way. all exactly so. Fop, yeah, I guess that's a better way of saying it. Fop leans effeminate, especially when a man um, is the the character in question. And so, I mean, this guy, like, you, you hear Grandpa say, "I don't like the way you talk." Um, so it's an interesting, like, I think it's I don't like the way you talk. But you mentioned this when you were watching it. Like, he
1: has very strange word choice too. Yes, where it's yes. almost like he tries to be so fancy that like he ends up sort of not even using the right phrases, and right, words. right. Um, so that's why, you know, it's like, kind of like a put on, it's not like a way that he actually yes, is. Yes. It's just, yeah, it's more ego than an intellect right. or anything else.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't think like, especially back then that wasn't a, in the conversation in the same way it is now, like a, of critiquing fopish effeminate villains. Um, but it's still interesting to think about like how it, totally is. it, it, it fits into that, um, that trope of villain villainry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look who isn't who doesn't wear a, a, an eyeglass and carry a cane and you know uh, uh wear bootstraps on your sneakers every once in a while right? Well, but so and hey, oh you're, you're it, getting serious okay good no no no
1: no no sorry I just as soon as you started talking uh, saying that I, I put something together in my brain like there is also. To to bring it to sort of contemporary times, th- this is often a critique, or not often, actually. This is a bit of a fringe thing, but it's like a critique I've heard of Donald Trump. Like, Donald Trump, like, is sort of like this type of character yeah, in the yeah, show. Yeah. He's, like, very overweight. He's not particularly traditionally masculine. He's, like, slightly effeminate. Um, He kind of likes really gaudy, kind of awful, trashy yeah, things. Yeah. Like, trashy well, in campy. the sense that... It's, yeah, but mm-hmm. he doesn't think it's campy. Mm-hmm. Um, So... While it seems like Donald Trump has a hard time with language, where this guy seems to have a better control of his words, I think that they still have sort of that same sort of like gaudy, sort of like, um, uh, yeah, like effeminate uh, thing going on. That's yeah, sort of interesting. I
0: do think that.
1: But it is sort of like a, he plays sort of like a villain in a right, way. Right, It's like there's something about where you you are an outcast, but you lean into the outcast part of your personality and you let you embrace it like in a way um that you let it sort of consume you which is i think why you almost these characters like they almost take on like a specific persona that is not normal and it's because it's almost like a character they've cultivated for themselves as a way to like express sort of some sort of power or whatever
0: and there is um kind of a spectrum of this kind of character on harold and i think you know in in this specific case if we're talking about the inf- effeminateness of it that's maybe a critique that is like a negative critique about um the way villains are portrayed uh but uh i think in general harold does a really good job at making fun of fake snobbery and fake fancy fake rich so you have like uh big bob who carries around like a white belt and like a, a giant belt buckle that has like his face on it or whatever. Um, now, Bob is definitely more of like a quote unquote man's man. Right. But he also really reminds me of Donald Trump because he's yeah. this like he has this he's barrel chested and he pretends to be connected uh, like at, like one out of 10 times. But really all 10 times he's completely like a blowhard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or you have Rhonda, who's this sort of fit. And, and part of it is. It, it's funny because she's nine um but she's this fake rich character like oh those designer shoes are so whatever and that shirt is so whatever and she she and and there are episodes coming up that really present her as um stupid in in her her fancy snobbery like very very blinded by her um like need to be fancy so I think I think actually Harold does a good job at uh critiquing like, General, um, larger than life kind of snobby richness. Right? Totally,
1: yeah, and I think probably a reason also why those characters take on that persona and they take a, like a, almost an effeminate turn is because there's something about like where they're they're mixing class into the thing, right, and status in mm-hmm. a way where. They don't have the physical attributes to have the brawn to sort of be like a traditional man that can like beat the shit out of you. But maybe they want to signal that they're like cunning, that they're manipulative. Right, right. So there's all these other things where you – they don't have those physical attributes, so they have to go a different direction. Yeah. And it sort of manifests in that way that we're kind of talking yeah, about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, well, that's – and there are – basically every one of grandpa's like rivals are – in some way like kind of effeminate and, mm-hmm. and, um, but like larger than life too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see that and, and my, I might be remembering wrong, but it'll be interesting to see, um, how that plays out. And look, I, I think that's a negative representation of villainy, not negative, but it's like it, the unfortunate thing is that tends to be where villainy goes. Um, When really, like, villains are all types of people, not just snobby. I think you're
1: talking about, like, a specific vein. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, definitely.
0: Um, And, yeah, I I mean, he's actually a super funny character. He says, um, there's a line where he goes, one wouldn't want to make the same, same mistake again, now would one which is not that's like, like, yeah, that's how people speak. That's fake fancy talk, which is very Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And he would never say one wouldn't, but he would say he would use a word that's, He would be too big for his britches, for sure, when it comes to his language. The best quote
1: that I heard recently from our our friend Donald Trump, which actually plays into this very well, I think, There was this quote where he said something about how like the fake news media talks about him always watching TV and he loves watching like Fox News and Fox and Friends and stuff like that. But one of the quotes that he said referencing that was that he doesn't have time to actually watch as much tv as people think he does because of documents and he literally the line is because of documents i'm always reading documents and the his, his usage of the word because of documents like the documents have such like like great esteem and legitimacy within themselves they're forcing him to like take attention to grab his attention there's something about that that's so interesting because he thinks the word document is a very like highfalutin official term so he can just drop yeah. it in randomly. And if you just say the word document, it carries this weight that like, Oh, you said document say no more. He
0: responds to criticism. um, Like strong bad from Homestar runner because he, his response is like kind of tongue in cheek, but really it just is showing how uh, much he is missing in, in his language education.
1: Totally. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know. There's like a child, childlike nature to it as well. Like, the, like the signaling that that word with that word, uh, because that's like a thing where you, you're yeah. a child and you hear your parents talking about business and they would say the word document like, whoa, I don't have any documents. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. have toys. That's
0: what adults have. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like something about it where it's like, I don't know. It's very, it's very well to me. Well, the, the uh, Robbie Fisher, is signaling the whole time that he's the best. That's like yeah, what yeah. He's, his entire like character. every other word is, um, like, and I think the the affirmation uh, is that how you say affirmation the, the the way that he presents his words, um, is it's like he says a fancy word, that's already it's like already fancy, and then he his voice and the way he says it is the silver platter that he's yes like so it's like if you didn't even if you didn't already know that me being the reigning champion of Chinese checkers isn't yeah. f- like fancy enough, yeah. let me just say it with a little bit of curl in my voice. Yeah. And totally. like, uh, like a dry his delivery is yeah, yeah, dry delivery. Yeah. Um, and, and, and kind of his guffaw it's, it's not a, it's not like a belly laugh or like a,
1: like well, a chuckle.
0: It's like, it's a guffaw. It's a very like.
1: And that's almost, I think when we're talking about the, eff- the, the effeminate component of it, it's almost like hyper masculinity to a character like that is beneath him.
0: Like, it's mm-hmm. like a thing that
1: he no longer has to like, to worry himself with. <laughs> so that's, that's why true, it goes yeah. that direction. Cause there's something brute about it. And he is not brute. You
0: know what I mean? He, you kind of yes. make a turn. And you even asked while we were watching the episode, you're like, why is grandpa always dressed like a popper? Yeah. And that and there is a a Prince and the Pauper kind of uh, dynamic, ma- dynamic yeah. between these two. You have like this guy wearing like a fancy vest and like rolled up an ascot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then Grandpa literally looks like he rolled out of a paper bag. Like Well,
1: he kinda looks like I don't know, he uh, he came from a war zone. He's like extremely skinny too. Yeah. Yep. There's like a lot of components of where he looks like a refugee
0: of some kind. Yeah, and a lot he has like a lot of knuckles on his face. Yes. Like yes, he yes. has so many different like he's very knuckly. Bumps. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and you know what, he has so many Yeah, they, it, the one-liners in this episode are ridiculous But that makes them funny um, Yeah it, The writers know that they're like the cheesiest lines But because you get one after another after another They end up being like valuable and worth hearing
1: Well, and in a way, you rea- like I realized at the end of this episode That when he is in a scene He's usually delivering one of those types of lines Yeah You just yeah. see less of him so it makes sense where yep. you get more of him in an
0: episode, you just get more, more of those lines more. too. Because that's kind of just how he speaks. Totally, yeah. And I and, and that's an interesting – that's actually an interesting um, – like we've talked about how Grandpa fits into certain tropes of like old people and grandparents. So that he – whenever he gives advice, it's really just him relaying what happened in a smart way yeah. and then saying, but I don't know what you should do. Or like – the fact that he always has to poop his, poop his pants. Like there are certain tropes that he has. And another one is he has cheesy one-liners that are like kind of puns, but also kind of um, like snazzy, snazzy comedic one-liners. Like he, he says, if, if nothing else, I could just uh, change my name and move out of the country. Like a great, just snappy line that has no context other than the moment that it's in.
1: Totally. And as to, to add to that, it's almost like, because he is an old man, he's embraced that fully. And it's like, most of what he says is purely for his own amusement. Totally. Yeah. It's like, because you realize the other characters very often never respond to his lines. (sighs) And there's just sort of like the (laughs) branch that goes on in the background, but the characters aren't really ever responding at at
0: the most Arnold go. Okay. Yeah. Like the kind of a sigh of like, which is like a
1: classic old dude thing
0: where you kind of don't care about everybody else. perception of you, you just go for it. Um, I think the sub more interesting, context of this episode is it's a passing line but uh, Arnold grandpa's like super nervous he can't fall asleep and so he comes in and talks to Arnold at like three in the morning and Arnold's like come on like you always encourage me and tell like you believe in me when I have a competition to do and grandpa just like lays it out he, he reveals this like deep dark secret but presents it like it's no big deal oh Arnold I've never believed in you I just said it on the off chance that someone else ends up messing up and beats you like,
1: or messing up and lets you in. Yeah. or Or Messing up and then you win. Yeah. Yeah. Something
0: along those lines. Um, And there's a tension like Arnold goes, wait, really? Um, And then he says, well, but I do believe in you like for real. And so there's a tension of what is encouragement and believing in somebody. What is that for? And, and like, why do we do it? and, you know, it 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 is similar. It's not the it's not the same, but it's adjacent. Is uh, the like end of you, you saw the Dark Knight, right? The second mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan movie when when the kid's like, oh, but Batman didn't do it. Like, why are we chasing him? Oh, cause we have to. Like, like it doesn't matter that like we don't think he did it. Like, chasing after him is part that's of what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. And um, I think in a similar way, like Grandpa saying, oh no no, it doesn't matter whether I believed in you or not. It's, it's just the fact that I was there and I like faked it. Like the faking it is just as important as, as actually believing. Whereas Arnold would say, well, but I actually believe in you.
1: Totally. And I think it's one of those lines where it's like a peek behind the curtain for like a child where like you, totally. Yeah. You assume that your parents and grandparents, like, have some sort of connection with reality that they get to see more and they know more. Right. But in reality, they don't have an idea of what's going to happen. Yep. yep. But they kind of know they're like embracing the fact that they don't know, but they really want you to do well. Mm -hmm. So it's like the, what are you supposed to say? Like to a child, like I actually, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I kind of hope that you win because I'm related to you. Yeah, I mean, yep, or whatever happens. Yeah. Like you would, never, you would never say that. It doesn't roll off the tongue nicely. There's no utility to it. So you kind of just say, "Well, you might win." And then instead of saying that, it's, "Yeah, you'll do fine." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do on. believe in you. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah,
0: because
1: uh, you do, but yeah. you don't know if they're gonna win. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's no way. Of, there's no it's, way of knowing. And and Grandpa's kind of calling that out a little
1: bit. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where, as the season goes on, the kids are getting older, and it seems like a thing that kind of
0: happens. You know I mean? Through growing up as a kid. Yeah. I like you saying, like, they peek behind the curtain a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And there have been a lot of episodes recently like that. Like, Gerald moving out. Totally. And selling all this stuff. Um, ne- next episode, uh, which is, like, one of my favorites, is a Quantity Time, with which is a Helga and Big Bob episode. And it's so good. And Helga kind of peeks behind the curtain at, like, I guess how complex loving your parents is. Um, Yeah. I mean... I, a lot of these episodes are the kids getting an adult lesson a little bit. Totally. Well,
1: and I think in that, from that little line, you get the feeling that Helga, her parents would not respond like that. Like they don't have that sort of like lying to their kid for the kid's benefit True. sort of personality. And you see kind of how Helga is as a character. Mm. Whereas mm. you have Arnold, mm. who's sort of this like kind of dreamer, dreamer, Helga's optimist. realistic exactly yeah. because she's had to be because there's no no one's lied to her in that way probably yeah
0: yeah or I mean, at least they never mm-hmm, lied to her mm-hmm. in a way
1: that's convincing
0: right because right. you could
1: see her drunk mom kind of saying like you'll do fine but it's like she knows like mom you're not even here really yeah so yeah um but it kind of shows you kind of within each one of those characters how that sort of would manifest interesting. if you have it or you don't mm-hmm, have it
0: mm-hmm. yeah and and there's a, it'd be interesting to kind of look at all of that kids and see just that binary like yeah. are they an optimist or a realist Totally. I'm saying realist instead of pessimist I feel like it's a little bit more fair but mm-hmm. um Gerald probably is a realist his parents are very like like um uh you know electricity doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. And so Gerald is usually the straight man with Arnold saying like uh, like, oh, all right, man. Like, if you want to try that or like you're a yeah, bold kid, like he's totally. calling out the the weirdness of Arnold. And you see that from his relationship with his father. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah and 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 Harold has like the uh, the parents who are very like, oh, you're going to like you're my little baby. You're going to do just fine. And so he has this like larger than life imagination and like thinks that his way is the best way um, instead of and people come out like, oh, you like you big idiot. Like yeah. life is more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting because all like, treats him like a baby, and yes. he is a baby. <laughs> he cries just like a baby yeah. on purpose. Yeah. 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 I mean, some good li- some good lines. Yeah. Um, gonna be honest, no cry of the week for me this week. No, me neither. Yeah, it wasn't. There wasn't really any touching. No. I guess like half a tear when Arnold is like, "Well, I still believe in you." Like, I guess. Yeah. I don't know.
1: This this episode is a little. It was not as an inspiring of an episode. No, no,
0: no, no. It's not bad. Like, I definitely... There are definitely lines that I think are funny, but it's not overall a great episode. No. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, Yeah, so we have
1: a a tune... Tunage. A tune for the end of this guy. Um I'll let Corey explain it, but the reason we chose this one is because they call Grandpa Steely Phil in the Chinese chess checkers community. Yeah, so why not do a Steely Dan song? Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, this is this is a actually Adam's recommendation. You're a big Dad Rock fan, right? <laughs> I am. Yeah. Uh, uh, the song is called "Do It Again," and it's from the classic Steely Dan album "Can't Buy a Thrill." You're laughing, uh, but Steely Dan's fucking rad. <laughs> They're awesome. Yeah, I, this is the first time I had heard them. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. Um, Hey, get online rate and review on the mm-hmm. old iTunes app or mm-hmm. whatever, uh, podcast app you use. Mm-hmm. Um, send us an
1: email. Tell you, tell us what your favorite Steely Dan song is. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen a bunch of Steely Dan fans out
0: there. Hey. Dot. Hey Harold. Hey at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Like I said, next week, we're going to, or whenever we get, get around to do another episode, uh, we'll, we'll be doing a quantity time. Uh, yeah. So can't wait to talk more Harold with you.
1: Yeah. Thank you for listening.
0: Thanks.